0: Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, I guess it's morning wherever you are, wherever I am. Good morning, good afternoon. Hope you're all doing great. My name is Marilyn Shannon, and this is Breaking Free. Today is Monday, and it's a beautiful day in August, and I want to say hello to Amnon. Good, good
1: be- morning. Good afternoon. Yeah, I did the same thing. I know. Good <laughs> oh, afternoon. <laughs>
0: good afternoon. How are you?
1: I'm just fine. Congratulations.
0: Thank you very much. I am here to say because I know if you listened to me last week, you know that I was I'm ex- I was expecting my second grandchild, and Saturday at 2:38 in the morning, uh, this precious little thing was delivered into our lives, and I mean just literally. I mean, my daughter uh, went through some hard labor. And then all of a sudden, before the doctor even was in position, I mean, this baby did not want to come out, but when he made his mind up that he was ready to come out, he came right out. Um, Yes. (laughs) Right out. I mean, nobody was even prepared. I mean, all of a sudden, the doctor said, Dara, stop pushing. And she wasn't even pushing. He just came out. But he's beautiful. His name is Liev, L-I-E-V, Pierce Greenberg, and he's adorable, and I'm very happy grandmother and I'm in the clouds as usual but I'm really in the clouds this time I didn't know you can get into the clouds as high as I'm in so I'm very excited so it's a wonderful day in my home and in my life so I want to share that with everyone it's a blessing and um, we have a lovely uh, uh, show I don't know if I'm gonna call it lovely but I'm gonna call it inspirational and for many of you it's going to bring up forgiveness and I think that's huge we talk a lot about mental illness in all forms of life, in all ways. It touches many of us, some of us more than others. Some of us have mental illness, other, other, others of us have to live with people with mental illness. And you know, mental illness is an interesting thing. It's not always something you see. You know, you see people in wheelchairs, you see people walking around with canes, you see people that have different issues. Mental illness is not something that you can see. And sometimes people don't even, even believe that it exists. So today my guest is a very interesting uh, uh, individual, I will say. He is a journalist. His name is Anish Mayungdar, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, Mayungdar. Uh, he's written this, his first fiction novel called The Isolation Door. I'm going to hold it up for everybody to see. Um, I had a really great conversation with him several months ago, and fascinating story. This is a story based on his personal life with living with a mother with schizophrenia. And he did not um, acknowledge this to anyone for until he was about 25 years old. And this is a really interesting book, and I began reading it, and... He is an excellent, 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 excellent writer. I don't always say that, but he really is a writer, and he's been and and graphic, so it's really interesting. And I want to read a quote that is in the beginning of his book. You need not comfort me by lightening my load. I ask for strength to carry my burden. Tagore and I asked Anish who Tagore was, and he's an Indian poet. And with that, I want to welcome Anish to our show. Anish, good morning, good afternoon. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good, and and uh, congratulations on uh, on the grandchild. Um, you know, my, my you know my wife and I we recently uh, welcomed our first child. Uh, it's going to be about a year now. Uh, our son, and my parents were over the moon. I I'm telling you, I have never seen them happier than uh, they were at that moment in the hospital um, seeing sort of that next, um, you know, generation sort of right there in front of their eyes. So congratulations. I know that's Thank a you. really, really wonderful thing. Yeah, it
0: really is. And I had the pleasure of sitting with both my grandsons and I'm going to probably cry, but um, in the hospital uh, the other day, my my oldest daughter brought her son who's two and a half, my, my grandson Landon and oh. and I was sitting on the bed with him and Liev and
1: oh that's Um, so nice
0: and it's so it's such an innate thing like Mm -hmm. this little boy you know my my grandson is two and a half we said to him okay very gently touch Mm -hmm. Liev and he was very gently touching his like little cap on his head and it was the sweetest sweetest thing and
1: oh that's um, really really really
0: awesome yeah so I'm um I'm I'm for crimped. Yes. <laughs> for crimped. it's, it's an, you it's say an, it? it's, an, it's, an aus,
1: uh, it's an auspicious time it for It is. Sure. It really yeah. is.
0: And, you know, like your parents, and I guess this is a great segue. I mean, you look at your children and you, you know, you, you look at your children, you know you did your best. Mm-hmm. You know, you know you did your very, very best mm-hmm. uh, with whatever you have. And then you look at your grandchildren and you say, you know what, I'm going to do even, I'm going to cry now. I'm gonna do even. I'm gonna do even better, you know. I'm gonna take that time, like yes. last week. And I know you're. You know, we're gonna get into this too, because of course the story is about you and your mom. And you know, I, I, my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she'll say, "Mom, can you babysit? Can you take care of Landon?" Mm-hmm. You know, I do everything I can mm-hmm. to do that. And you know, when I was uh, a, a mother, a new mother. I, of course, wanted to be with my children, but I had a furniture store. I worked. I didn't always do those things. Now I will drop anything. And, and last week I took care of Landon for a while, and um, I took him swimming. And initially, I was in the water with him, and he turned around to me. and He's two and a half. And he turned around to me, and he said, I'm having fun.
1: <laughs> oh that uh, is awesome. You know, a, yeah. those are things that you're never going to forget, no, I think. You know, no, no, uh no. I think that they are I mean, I, it really doesn't get much better than that, you know, no. uh, and uh Oh, that's really wonderful. Yeah. That's that's truly yeah. wonderful.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, I'd love to chat with you about that some more too as far as your mother and your you know, your parents mm-hmm. in general because you grew up toughly. You know, you toughly, toughly, yes.
1: Yes, I think that's uh I think that's that's accurate, you know, not without um not without a lot of love. And, 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 uh, I would say, you know, even during the hardest times, you know, with what we went through with my mom in particular, that love was always kind of unquestioning. And I could even see it, you know, as my mom went through some of the worst things, um, uh, you know, and we saw her personality start to splinter and fracture, even within that there was always glimmers of, um, the person that she is, um, the, the bond that she feels with me and um, my younger brother and uh, my dad as well. Um, I think he felt for a long time that um, the things that we had experienced growing up with my mom, um, the really chaos that surrounded our lives, would really bleed over into my life and my brother's life. And it would sort of keep us from having meaningful lives of our own, lives uh, with a measure of happiness. And um, I think it's for them uh, they there's this sort of uh happy dumbstruck look almost that that sometimes comes over their faces when they don't think they're being watched where they see me and my wife and my son and this whole thing that this whole life that um, it, it feels miraculous and, and, I, and i I try to remember that and I try to stay grateful every day because um, for a long time it didn't seem that that i I couldn't picture that i I could never have imagined um um, a future along the lines of 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 what came to be, and and I know that it's a load off for them, and it allows them to sort of um, enjoy time with not just us, but you know my son in particular, with um, a kind of easement of of the of the weight that they carried, you know so, the guilt so that they carried.
0: Let me ask you. So I want I want you to talk about more details about your story. But one thing mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, in going in going forward, you said you you knew your mother loved you, mm-hmm. so. So, when she was in a schizophrenic period of her life, how did mm-hmm. she show you? How did you know she loved you?
1: She, um, I can give you one uh, really great example. Um, so, my mother, you know, she really swayed towards the paranoid schizophrenic. So, um, she swayed she towards would, what?
0: Say that one more time.
1: She really swayed more towards the paranoid schizophrenia side of things. Um, so, what happened was as, uh, as, as she began to sort of withdraw into herself, uh, we would see over a period of uh, a couple of months. Um, you know, she was a, she's naturally a very, very talkative, uh, very vibrant uh, woman who loves to, you know, entertain and 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 uh, loves to show affection. You know, and those things would, would we we would see that get stripped away almost on a daily basis. We'd see her pull into herself. We'd see we'd see her start to have these very disturbing conversations with voices in her head. We'd see her um, get into violent altercations sometimes with strangers on the street over perceived slights and things in her mind, um, you know, that were telling her that these people were the enemy. And, in fact, at the worst, we would see her attack my dad like that, uh, you know, blaming him um, uh, of very elaborate conspiracies. And yet, through all of this, every once in a while, she would hesitantly knock on my bedroom Door and by that time I was trying to withdraw as much as I could away from this. Uh, Every once in a while, she she'd knock on her door, on my door, and she'd give me like five dollars, or she'd give me um, this little piece of a snack that she ate, and she had just kind of weirdly wrapped and had saved it for me later. There were these little, small little signs that um, reminded me that it wasn't all the sickness in there. And to be fair um, during the worst times of it, I, I, sometimes wish that, that those signs hadn't been there, that, uh, that I could totally dissociate myself and say, the mom that I love is gone. So why don't you just walk away from this and create a fresh start? Uh, I was never really able to do that because no matter how bad things got, there were these just as troubling signs of, 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 of who she really was somewhere buried within, um, within, within all of that, within that mess that, mm-hmm. um, that uh, you know, kind of embroiled us so that's, uh, as she really spun out.
0: That's very, very interesting. So let's let's um, like just kind of isolate that for a second. So mm-hmm. here's a a young man who grows up who who I guess was very sensitive to be able to notice those little acts of endearment from his mother, from your mother during the times of those schizophrenic periods. She mm-hmm. always, she managed sometime to do something to show you that she loved you and you felt it. and you knew. I, did. I you know, did. Whether it was a little wink or a little something that let you know she knew you were around. And yet, at the same time, and this makes perfect sense, this is the duality of life. At the, at the same time, you want to be pissed off at her.
1: Sure. You oh, know, of course.
0: You don't want to know, You want to just be pissed off. This is not my mother. You want to be, have something to allow yourself to be angry with her. Absolutely.
1: And she won't let you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a a weird kind of um, in-between zone sometimes between, um, you know, if you lose someone suddenly and and someone has an accident or whatever it is, as horrible as that is, there typically is some kind of a grieving process. And then whether it's hard, whether, you know, it's not as hard, you find ways to move on without that person. And what, what I always found to be really the most difficult thing about growing up with a parent, um with a mental illness like this was uh, there was no there was no stop there was no period to grieve and and say that this person is gone because that person is still there it, it's a really it, it took us uh, several years to figure out that this wasn't something that was gonna get magically cured one day and that this was really a a battle that um, that we would all have to fight and 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 always be vigilant for always look out for those signs always you know sometimes have that uncomfortable Moment where you know you have to ask mom, how are you doing? Um, you know we're seeing some some signs here. We're seeing some behavior. Maybe it's time we uh, you know we brought you in. That was difficult, but I think it's it, it's more honest in terms of the the challenge. You know it's a it's an enduring thing. It's a it, it's it's something that everyone has to deal with, not just uh, not just her.
0: So you had sort of this acknowledgement that was it preset that if you saw your mother. Kind of deviating from reality or whatever that you saw her kind of going off. You had this thing where you, where it was agreed upon by both of you, like a contract that you would say something to her and she would acknowledge, or what?
1: Well, well, uh, this is something that uh, I would say my family is still working on. Uh, I would say it's really kind of taken root only in the last eight years. Um, once the doctors had really find found a combination of medication to. Kind of control her symptoms. I think before then, uh, it, it it just wouldn't have worked. Um, but now, because there does seem to be a kind of um, healthier baseline that she has, uh, a kind of stability that she didn't have before. Now, slowly, painfully, we're 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 trying to kind of forge these these healthy open lines of communication um... through most of it and you know she first got sick when i was nine years old um, so from then right up until my you know age twenty five when i started writing um, you know what became the isolation door during that period it, it really wasn't that healthy uh... you know our attitude um, and i shared in this and my dad uh, as well was we just felt that we there was a sense of shame there that um... That, that not only was she wrong, but by extension we were wrong too. And so when we, uh, when she was better and when she would come home, um, my my parents really tried hard to go back to all the old routines, to host these elaborate Indian parties and uh, invite all of their old friends um, and and show that they were they were the same, they were normal. Uh, and so that in a weird way made it harder because that pressure was so high that once we started seeing her slip. We didn't have the um, the lines of communication in place to to say, "Hey, Dad, have you been noticing this, or uh, have you been seeing this? What should we do?" Instead, you know, we would watch her sort of spiral out again um, and not know what to do until it reached a point of crisis, and my dad had to, you know, call in the doctors, call in the paramedics, and and have her committed. So I would say it really took us a long time to 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 start kind of breaking those old patterns and. And um, and find a way to acknowledge it, you know. And, and and a lot of that is also her, you know. I mean, it was hard for her to even admit up until a few years ago that she was even sick. Um, you know, she she believed that she that she wasn't uh, that she she you know she didn't have a problem really up until just a couple of years ago.
0: So when you're growing up, I mean, who do you get to look at? I mean, any other any? I mean, who do you look at as a? As a, as a role, as a role model. model? Yeah, mentor, role model, clarification, support. Well, I mean, who do you look at? Beside, I mean, your father is not, I mean, anybody come through it? I mean, what happened?
1: He, uh, my dad for sure. Uh, I think, you know, even though the disagreements I would have with my dad over the approach in terms of how to handle my mom sometimes would be um, large, and there would be large arguments and things like that. Um, the one thing that I always remembered, and uh when I actually got married to Aaron in two thousand nine I said this in a in in, uh, in the speech uh, that I gave to the to people there um the loyalty that he had right or wrong, the fact that he never once considered just walking away from my mom and saying, "I can't handle this anymore you know um uh, he, he no matter how bad things got, the idea that he would cease to be our father and her husband, no matter what that really made a strong impression on me because. That 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 gave me an idea of what the what of, of of what kind of a man he really was, and we could have we could and, and still do argue over you know different points in, in terms of our respective families and how to handle mom, but that bedrock loyalty um, kind of served as, as a compass. Everything else um, in terms of you know deciding to become a writer, um, I spent six and s- about seven years as a uh, screen actor working in Montreal, and Toronto. All of those things were you know, uh, my heroes were whatever I could find, quite frankly. Uh, I felt like I had a strong will. I I, I felt that the direction part, um, you know, and, and in terms of people that I, I cared about were heroes of, uh, you know, movie stars or uh, authors, um, whoever would do it to me, you know, whoever would give me that, that re- you know, reassurance at the moment um, would serve. So, mm-hmm. um so I felt that, you know, aside from my dad, there really wasn't that much. It, it, was, uh, it was, it was, it felt like a journey through a pretty black um, period, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think really it's, it's really just the sense of will and, and the maybe misguided sense that I wasn't going to, you know, fall privy to this trap. Well, and, sometimes,
0: and, sometimes something just, pardon me, pisses you off enough that you just say, no matter what, I'm not yes. doing it. Yes, I just want to. I want to offer, you know, for those of you that are listening, if you have any questions at all about, you know, anything, please feel free. I mean, we're we're talking to Anish, but he's extremely sensitive. I mean, this is an important. This is, I mean, this is not just about him sharing his story for the heck of it. I mean, he's sharing his story to help free up, you know, those of us that may be going through. Mental illness and are feeling guilty about our own families, and for those of us that are that are living with it because of somebody else. So please feel free to call 919 518 9773, or you can Skype in with us at computers, that's plural, the number 2K voice. You'll come in on voice and uh, Anisha's on video, but we'd love to hear from you regardless and if you have a question. So Sue uh, Suziani on our chat is asking, um, about the stigma attached to having a family member with a mental illness and the fear that it might be hereditary was there a history of your mom's in your mom's family of mental illness or schizophrenia
1: yeah absolutely uh she comes from um a family uh that uh you know, that's originally from calcutta and she 's one of six sisters and pretty much she 's the she's she's she 's a middle sister and all of them have struggled with um different forms of uh, mental illness. Um, There's an aunt who's uh, struggled with some pretty severe depression. Um, There's another aunt who has some uh, pretty rough rage issues. Uh, They vary a lot depending on on these sisters, and and it affects them to to various ways. Um, My my mother, she didn't really show any signs um, up until the moment when she lost uh, her father, my grandfather. That seemed to trigger something in her. And we saw, you know, these personalities, cha- you know, uh, changes take place. So you're right. I mean, I I, I probably looking back on it, I, you know, we should have looked back and said, you know, mom is absolutely at risk for for something like this. Um, but we didn't do it. You know, we, we didn't do it until the bottom kind of fell out with her psychologically. And then we were kind of playing catch up and trying to put the pieces back together after the fact. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so, so yeah there there's definitely so there mistake. is so do you yeah. fear for yourself I did in 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 uh, in, in my twenties in particular um, i that was a pretty unstable time for me. I was uh, living alone as an actor and um, I you know um, i I had this kind of really misguided honestly philosophy of um, not letting people get too close to me, not sharing who I really was, um, kind of inventing. Uh, on the fly, who I was, certainly who my past was, and who my parents were i didn 't want that uh, again that stigma really to taint a uh, you know a budding relationship, a budding friendship, um, and so I was very alone and uh, I would frequently cut ties with people who really cared about me preemptively uh, before they really found that out and at that period, absolutely i did um, i I, s- I spent between two thousand and four and two thousand and six in Montreal. Um, living a, a really hermit-like existence, um, didn't have much in the way of friends. Um, I had this book that I started working on and, and that started to feel more and more like a lifeline or at least a new career and, and a fresh start. Um, and during that period, looking back on it, um, I, I was, I was pretty seriously depressed for about, for about three years. Um, and then the journey to get the book published and moving to New York City and stuff, that really shook me out of that. And it, it, uh and 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 thank god i, I you know it 's never stopped you know the it's uh, you know that break really does seem to have been permanent uh looking back on it now uh, from the you know uh purview of about eight years mm-hmm. so when you
0: I guess this is something when you are um, whole you know disconnecting from the world you don't mm-hmm. want people to find out who you are when mm-hmm. you say who you are you're referring to that your mother has schizophrenia or that you have mental illness in your family, or that you could uh, be a candidate for being mentally ill. What is think, it that that you hold back
1: from? I think uh, I, I I really do think it's a combination of of all of those. The one that I f- I feel the strongest, uh, you know, as the driver back in those days was um, just being identified as the son of someone who I felt at the time was broken and feeling that. Uh, people would look at me as broken in some way. Um, we lived such a crazy life uh, growing up, and there was a, a lot of hiding, and there was a lot of guilt and shame that, you know, mix, mixed up in that. And uh, I felt that if, uh, as an adult, I started talking about that and sharing that, that, that people would look at me differently. They would pity me, or they would... Um, they, they certainly wouldn't look at me as a normal person, whatever that meant, you know mm-hmm. or, and, and I felt that, that I you know when I was a kid and through high school, um, I didn't have a choice in, in a lot of that. You know My, my, my mom would, would show up for uh, a play I was doing or she would show up for an event and, or a, a, a soccer game I was, I was playing and, and everyone would see. everyone would, would, would know. Uh, you could tell that, that something was wrong with her. And I felt that as an adult, I wanted to give myself the option to have a clean slate, to not have that um, kind of cast a shadow over me as it had done for a really long time.
0: I, I'm just picturing your mother coming into, a, you know, your school, just kind of. And this might just be, a, you know, a stereotype, but I picture mm-hmm. her walking in, kind of, you know, in those schizophrenia periods, kind of like looking mm-hmm. lost you know, maybe mixed match clothing and just Mm -hmm. not looking like she knows what she is and yet kind of, you know, out there. Is that, is that?
1: I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, You know, I was in about grade four when she really started uh, spiraling up for the first time. And um, my clearest memories of that were twofold. One was every morning she, um, I would ask her for lunch to pack me a lunch. And she would insist that, that she's not packing me anything, she's going to show up to hand-deliver the lunch uh, herself. And, um, h- you know, half the time she just wouldn't show up, and I got to know the monitors and the my principal really well because she would arrange to ask someone, uh, you know, to kind of inquire about the other students if someone had half a sandwich or a cup of soup to eat, Um and I didn't know why she would do that. And the, for, by the same token, she didn't trust me to go on the bus. Uh, she felt that there was the school bus was tied in with some kind of conspiracy that she had. She insisted on picking me up. And the same deal. Um, I, I remember, you know, twiddling my finger through the fence um, for at least an hour every day, long after everyone had left, waiting for her to remember um, to to pick me up. Um, these things that sort of um, immediately kind of mark you as. As what's going on? What's what's wrong there? Um, you know, I've recently had a chance to talk with people from that time, and it really surprised me to hear that a lot of them they didn't feel what I thought that they would feel. They, um, what they felt when they thought of it was really they were concerned about me and they were concerned about my mom. Um, and yet, for some reason, growing up in it, what I felt was the shame much more acutely than uh, the fact that there might be other people who could you know understand and could be a source of uh, of support.
0: What a, I mean I have a lot of questions so and then there's questions on the chat but as an as an Indian, mm-hmm. being indian is does that come with uh more shame more more hiding more shame or anything
1: I don't know if you could do more, but i'm just curious I, I i felt uh you know i i i felt like 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 it definitely added um an extra dimension to it uh you know since the book came out um the uh, Indian families that I knew in uh, Mo- and I know in Montreal, um, they've been some of the biggest supporters of the book, um, and they've really, you know, they've really championed it and really made sure that it's that that it's getting in the hands of people, um, particularly those with uh, with similar backgrounds. When uh, when I was when I was growing up, um, you know, we felt a tremendous amount of pressure. I'm sure that this isn't this is true for. Um, a lot of different ethnicities who, you know, immigrate to the West or a foreign country. You know, my dad would always hammer it in, you know, to me and my brother that uh, we were Indian. Uh, We didn't, we weren't, uh, we were born there, but we come from a different place. And we would have to work harder and we would have to be perfect in everything that we do to make the same kind of gains as someone who was kind of to the manner born. And um, when she started to get sick, uh, I think that the immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, don't let people know. Don't let them know that that this is messed up. Hide it as much as you can. Pretend as much as you can. Um, and even my mom would, would, would willingly go into this kind of uh, charade when she was sick and she needed really rest and relaxation. A lot of times this social pressure to show that they were still this um, Indian couple that was well-to-do and their children were successful and everything was great no need to worry that really overwhelmed her and that added a level of of stress that should not have been there some of the people that they grew up with um, you know families that immigrated around the same time uh... that they did from india to canada when she really started to get uh... get sick and uh... get violent they they cut ties um, i don't blame them for that at all she was she could be really disturbing to to be around uh, and yet there were other families that showed up at every court proceeding that uh, cooked us meals when we weren't in a shape to even think about food um, that uh, that became kind of like family to me uh, mm-hmm. and and so it really is a, is, a, is it's a like you said that duality is is certainly there in the uh, mm-hmm. in 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 the Indian culture that I experienced where at one point there's there's much more pressure to succeed and to show that you're perfect but at the same time when things do start to fall apart you see a level of loyalty sometimes in people that that uh, humbles me and 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 brought me to tears. Uh, you know, you know, uh, during some of the the hardest periods. You no, know,
0: you don't think about it.
1: Um, no, you really there's
0: don't. There's a. Re- the, I have lots of questions based on what you just said, but I do want to address something that Suziani is bringing up about mm-hmm. allergies and mm-hmm. that she has. She is. Uh, done some research and um, came up with the fact that they've recognized that if you are gluten intolerant or gluten was celiac Mm -hmm. that, and and it goes undiagnosed, Mm -hmm. it could lead to mental illness. It could lead to schizophrenia. Do you know anything about that?
1: No, I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't looked into it. I think, um, you know, uh, schizophrenia in general uh, is kind of a mystery. I know that uh, I remember reading very recently about how, um, there seems to be a bit of a movement in some circles to uh... look into declassifying it simply because there's such a wide range of symptoms um, declassifying that, it and classifying that, uh, it as what uh... well breaking it uh, not not calling it schizophrenia at all to say that there's probably multiple me- mental illnesses that are being lumped in together here uh, uh... under the umbrella term of of uh... of schizophrenia there uh... and and i think there may be some truth to that i you know if you look at uh... if you bring together you know in a room uh... several people suffering from schizophrenia i think it would be shocking to see how uh... disparate the symptoms can be between you know person-to-person person. there's there, there's oftentimes very little consistency in terms of what treatments a person responds to can really be a uh... question of uh... trial and error uh... i think my mom probably dealt with a lot more of the error than the uh... than the good stuff for you know, almost twenty years. Uh, she's had a variety of doctors. She's got a great one now, um, but uh, we've also seen the flip side of that. Um, and so, you know, in terms of in terms of where, where we go from there, I think uh, certainly having that awareness of having people sharing their stories is is definitely a great first step in terms of um, just breaking down that wall that comes with it. Um, I think you mentioned it uh, earlier in the in, in the interview about how. You know, one of the insidious things about mental illness is that oftentimes it's invisible. You know, you don't see a a broken arm or an injured body part. Um, You see these uh, psychological um, effects. And Mm -hmm. I think that can really scare people. And I think uh, the first step, take away the medical side of it. You know, I think the first step is uh, doing what we can to bring the experiences of people who've been dealing with this uh, into the fold of of society instead of... um, Instead of treating it like something that doesn't exist or a private matter, um, I, I, yeah. I really do believe that that, that needs yeah. to happen.
0: Yeah, I know, you know, I'm Jewish and I know that in a lot of things that go on, and this again could be a stereotypical, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I do know that, you know, we'll take care of it. Don't worry, mm-hmm. don't, don't let it, we'll handle it ourselves. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, there's no reason to tell anybody, mm-hmm. you know, let's just keep it between us, we'll take care of it ourselves. And I think that yep. that. You know, sounds to me a little bit like what would have gone on in your house and in a lot of homes. You know, Absolutely. we don't want to share it, but that's the point. Several years ago, I think we had Dr. Ellen Sykes mm-hmm. Sachs, on our show. Do you know who she is? Uh, yeah, I, I
1: think I, I uh, saw a TED talk with her a little while ago. Exactly.
0: Mm. And we had her on the show, and she is a an attorney. She's a professor. She came. She did a TED talk about um, having schizophrenia. And what it was like when she wasn't on her meds, she's married. Mm-hmm. When she's on her meds, I mean, she, you know, she, she can certainly tell the difference. And she is mm-hmm. speaking out. And when she came and she spoke, it was, you know, because what you don't know, you're scared of, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you were talking earlier about, you know, what people would say about you. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, you don't want to catch it. You know, and if yeah. it, it's catchable, of course. If your mother had it, you must have it. Then right. I don't want to be in that. Right. And, um, not always the case, but when she came on it it was so freeing because it allowed me um, and I hope our audience to understand what what she went through and what and the and what the the possibilities are for other people who are going through it, and she was able to verbalize she was able to mm-hmm. communicate from both sides from. Her, her eyewitness to being in a, you know, schizophrenic period to being mm-hmm. not necessarily but still being schizophrenic mm-hmm. and it was amazing to hear the explanation and then of course for you to be coming out and speaking for, um I mean, you love your mother absolutely, you know, you, absolutely you know, I mean, Chris is asking um um, you know, are you were you angry, you know, are you angry um
1: I think uh, I think the the anger has um, has has definitely started to uh, dissipate over the last couple of years. Um, mostly ever since you know uh, you know I met my wife uh, Erin, who uh, I met her in two thousand six in, in uh, New York City uh, when I was trying to find um, a literary agent to start this process of getting the book out there. Um, and she's really been you know my my rock. Uh, ever since then she um, she 's that voice in my ear who who uh, tells me hey you know why don 't you let that go you know why don 't you leave that in the past or, or why don 't you And does she uh, have any
0: any mental illness in her family
1: No, not at all. She comes from a pretty big uh, you know irish German family in uh, Rochester, New York, where we live now uh, and uh, no she didn 't have uh, any 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 experience with that um, and yet she has this um, she has this kind of openness to her, this kind of uh, feeling of safety with her that um, on our first date, I remember, uh, she was really the first person that I told uh, any of this to. And I find myself in this Greek um, restaurant in Astoria um, having this four-hour conversation with this girl that I barely knew uh, about all of this. And uh, amazingly enough, she didn't go running away. And, and in fact, it, it kind of bound us together as... Um, as partners, and, and I really do feel that um, once I met her, uh, I, I, I truly had someone else uh, in my life who spoke the strange alien language, I guess that I've uh, <laughs> that I've that, that that I that I, you know, had feared no one else would really ever um, ever know. And 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 since then, you know, being able to start a family with her, being able to kind of witness the daily miracle of things like waking up and seeing my wife and my son. Uh, you know, uh, next next to me, they're sleeping, um, you know, just, just all of that uh, healed me in some way. Um, and it, all of a sudden, the anger started to really fade away. And it started to be more about, how can I be a good son to them again, which I had been before, I, I, I felt in some ways, I, I always was, but I wanted to, I wanted to play a bigger role in my mother's life. Uh, and I wanted to let her know that she's loved and that she's supported, um, regardless. And I. So, and, and I,
0: so when yeah. you when you had that period of time where you might think you were not a good son, mm-hmm. you were being a good, a niche, is what I would think.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I. I don't think I. I, I don't think um, you could have had what where my life is now without that period. I think uh, there needed to be some kind of a break there, um, and. Um, during my my early to mid20s I would say uh, contact with my with my parents was was pretty minimal. I, I stayed pretty close with my brother but um, but it, but it, it was it was pretty minimal uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that really only changed once um, uh, you know once I was in the states and and really I mean uh, you know I'd finished this early version of the book in 2006 and I left my entire life in Canada behind. Um, I think it, it, it's uh, kind of a testament to where I was at. Uh, in my headspace that um I was perfectly happy walking away and 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 feeling i I need to create a life on my own terms and once that happened things 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 yeah, did change full circle
0: so um quick quick question were you ever fearful of having a child
1: i uh i was i i had a couple of uh i had a couple of thoughts i think um this is a quality that uh maybe I share with a lot of authors that um I can tuck things away into a little uh, denial box or a uh, look-at-later box um, for a long period of time while I'm working on something else. And when, when, uh, when Aaron became pregnant, uh, we talked about it a little bit, um, that, um, that, that there is this chance um, that, that, uh, that he's going to be you know, more susceptible to this. I, I felt that, uh, worst-case scenario, if that was something um, he deals with when he gets older... Uh, up until that point, and for every day after that, uh, I want to show him that he is truly loved. I mm-hmm. want to be the best father I can to him, and maybe we'll deal with the we'll deal with the hard turns in life w- when it comes. But well, I let, thought that it was wrong to right. to to not do to it to uh, bribe yourself of, just in case.
0: I, I want to ask you: it, yeah. Do you think, as, um, as a, a, a person having gone through this and who is cre- creative, mm-hmm. quite sensitive? I think you have a connection to a deeper, something deeper, because you're a survivor as well. Do you think that with the um, information that you've been able to drum up, with the mm-hmm. with the research you've done, mm-hmm. with the progression in medical care, do you think that you, if with your son, for instance, let's just hypothetically say, mm-hmm. you know, he is showing signs, is there... Do you think you can change the baseline, do you think you could change the outcome based on the uh, – um, I don't want to say that your family didn't love your mother, but mm-hmm. I think that the, your, your knowledge and the love grows in a way that maybe handling it differently with more information could make the outcome different for, um, for your son or for anybody?
1: I do. I, I, I do. I, I definitely think that if we uh, saw these these types of um, symptoms uh, affect my son, uh, that we've learned from our past mistakes um, uh, that, for sure, uh, we wouldn't take the initial step that my family took, which was to hide away, because I really think that really exacerbated things, um, and it, it kept this period of her relapsing and getting slowly rehabilitated and relapsing eventually again I think we, um, she could have uh, reached uh, uh, a point of stability um, much faster without why that, do you think that, that way? way
0: why do you think not hiding would have would have changed things
1: because um, her natural inclinations that she started to get sick were these paranoid uh, delusions and these conspiracies and I think once she saw that, We were, in in a sense, um, kind of aiding that because we were starting to to, to keep secrets now and we were starting to engage in uh, kind of deflective behavior from other people. And we were starting to pretend that we were something we were not. How could that do anything but um, but, but in a way spur her on? You know, if uh, at the beginning we had taken a different approach, um, a conscious, open approach, uh, 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 an approach that had a mentality of, we're going to bring the stuff into the open we're going to treat this as an open family issue that is shared by all of us to some degree and we're not going to allow you uh to hide this and kind of co-opt us as uh as kind of co-conspirators in this that i think would have had a tremendous um, effect on my mother's kind of journey i'm not saying that it, the bad things wouldn't have happened but i think she could have you know we could have brought her to a place um of greater stability, faster, um, with that kind of an approach, um, rather than the way that we went to. So I would hope that we would, we would, we would think more along those lines and right from the get go, right from the get go, you know, get those, um, communication patterns, uh, you know, in place. Mm
0: -hmm. Not enable, so to
1: speak. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, so so what, how, where does spirituality play a role in your life and mental illness and in communicating with, um, your mother or any, what would you say? I mean, is there a role? I mean, I think I have a very dear friend who's bipolar mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she found Reiki. She found meditation. She found these things that mm-hmm. helped kind of became a lifeline mm-hmm. to love, to a sense of reality that was beyond the mental illness that mm-hmm. took her out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. What What's your feeling about this?
1: This is, I, I think this is like a, a great question, and um, you know, talking uh, you know, talking uh, kind of in a, in a bit of an off the cuff way about it, uh, I will say, um, and I think this ties in a little bit to your question about um, what role models I had or what feeling I had. Uh, pretty much through my entire life, uh, especially as things really got bad, uh, I had this feeling. I didn't know if it was right, whether it was wrong. I felt that there was some presence out there. My, my, uh, that was looking out for me. My parents were never particularly religious. They are Hindu, but, um, it, you know, it's the kind of Hindu where, you know, you go to the temple, you know, once a year, if that, um, it's, they weren't really devout in any way, shape or form. So it's not like we grew up with uh, a strong sense of spirituality. And yet I had this feeling, um, when I was, uh, when I was nineteen years old, I got into a pretty severe uh, car accident. I fell asleep at the wheel and uh, the car flipped over and I, I woke up as the car was flipping over and I was sort of dragged upside down for a, a long period of time and the car came to a stop, and the windows were blown out and I managed to unbuckle my belt and sort of crawl out through um, the um, you know, w- you know one of the windows and I remember looking back at this you know broken husk of a car uh... crumpled and i remember looking at myself and i had a couple of minor scrapes on my fingers and that was the moment where i started feeling that maybe there was something out there that was going to keep me safe and maybe he was do he he was doing that because i was meant to do something maybe there was some purpose that i was meant to fulfill and that idea um, was a kind of secret compass that uh... that that, that you know steered me through uh the worst of it because I felt that I was special I felt that that there was someone looking out for me that there was there was a God or there was something there that uh was saying anish you're going to have hard times but you're this is for a reason there is there's something I'm trying to show you, and there's uh, steps that you need to take to become the person that you need to be and uh that feeling has never really left me um and in many ways, it's 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 uh, helped to remind me of the blessings that I have. So, what about
0: your mother? Uh, Do you think? Um, I mean, and I hear what you're saying, and I think that's very important. You got a message, and you yeah, listened, I got a and message. you listened, and I think yeah. that's very important for anybody who's watching today. You know, this is a message. This shows a message to send this the archive to the show, the link to the show to friends of yours, people you know, because. We're all about breaking free. This show is about hope, period. You know, if I had a tagline, I'd say, it's about hope. So Mm -hmm. I don't have a tagline, but if I did, that'd be it. (laughs) Um, Do you think that for people with mental illness, there is a chance, like I talked about my friend, is there a chance that with a deeper connection, um, an opening to spirituality, that even for somebody with mental illness, their, the baseline can shift?
1: I think, uh, I, I, I think it can do uh, nothing but help, truly. And, uh, and I think uh, a, a big part of that is the sense of personal belief and personal self-worth and the responsibility that comes with that. And I think the other part... Um, you know, my wife's Catholic and, uh, you know, her, her mother is is uh, pretty devout. And uh, the big thing I see uh, when I go with them to Mass or, you know, uh, another celebration is I see it's that it's not just about the, the personal belief of the person, but you have uh, a whole support network of people who um, have a shared sense of belief and are willing and oftentimes able to extend that hand. So I think it's that. That, that communal aspect um, that comes from a, a you know a, a background in faith or 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 a, or a sense of faith um, that can help almost as much as uh, as what it does for the individual and whether or not it helps them to you know maintain you know maintain their their sense of equilibrium.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I um, something you said a little bit ago, and I had a thought. Now I can't get it, but what you would think would be a help, And what you think would be something that would um, support somebody with mental illness, you think at mm-hmm. the same time could push them deeper back. So you think, uh, you know, c- c- coming into a community, feeling the connection, feeling the love, feeling the mm-hmm. support could also be overwhelming because of the, in, in your mother's case, the paranoia. You know, mm-hmm. having more people around to love and support you could also lead to more people wanting something from her, more people sure. to worry about, more people to want to get away from. Sure. So, but you you think that when you're talking to a soul, you know this the is is the soul. I mean, it's, we're talking mental illness. Hmm. What are we talking about with the
1: soul? Where is the soul in mental illness? <laughs> that is. Uh, that is is uh, something that. Um, I think, you know, everyone who goes through it is, you know, and I think, really think you've hit on on the, the the root conflict that's there or the root uh, struggle that's there um, because because you're right. Um, you know, at times when you, when you see someone uh, spiral out and almost seem to become a different person, um, you feel has the soul left the body? I, I never truly believed that. I never, I always felt that, that, that she's there. Um, I think the hardest part has been as we've, as me, my dad, my mom, and my brother, as we've all kind of gone through our respective journeys in life and are getting older and are seeing things. I think the hardest thing is to realize that sh- she'll never come all the way back. You know, um, she, she, she's never gonna get every piece that you remember back uh, and become who she was. It, it, the illness ha- has taken things from her. Um, and yet for all of that, what remains is true and what remains, um, is her and what remains is, you know, her heart, the, you know, my mom was, uh, my, I think in the lives of most children, uh, my entire life, you know, she was the sun and the moon, you know, uh, she looked after me every single day. Um, my dad was always at work and, uh, and, and she was my lifeline and, and, and she hasn't left, um she's still there and I think that this uh, disease uh, can sometimes cause the illusion of thinking that they that they're not there but I think that would be the disease you know I I have I, never come across a person with um, a mental illness where I felt that they're just a shell they're they're there somewhere you know and and wow. and, and and it needs to be you know uh, I you know I think we need to know that and have the faith that, that it's there, regardless of And not to speak to,
0: I mean, I'm. what I'm hearing you sometimes say, I think, is not to just speak to the mental illness. I mean, it's no different than when somebody's lying in bed with a coma. Yep. You still talk, you play music, you share stories, yep. and I know that there's been accounts where they remember what's been said. So, yep. you know, so you don't want to speak to the mental illness per se. You want to speak to what you know. I mean... Like when you see your Absolutely. mother loving on your son, mm-hmm. I mean
1: that is true. That is true. Pure yeah. love. Yep.
0: You know what yep. could your son, at a year old, do to hurt your mother? If if anything brings out the the the, the wellness in your mother, mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. be that.
1: I, th- I think it it it, uh, it had a kind of uh, a, a, a positive shock effect on her. Um, You know, when she was at the hospital when he was born, and uh, she was in the waiting room, and I uh, went over to her, and um, I'd taken the first couple of shots of my camera of uh, Mickey, our son, and um, I start showing it to her. And, uh, you know, her face is usually, you know, uh, very non-expressive. She has trouble expressing emotion. And as she's scrolling through these pictures, you could see the lights start to turn on somewhere there, And halfway through, this huge kind of kid-like smile breaks out across her face and she looks up at me and she goes, my God, you're a dad. You know, like she was, she realized it for the first time. Like it was, it was really sinking in. And, um, in the beginning, I felt that it was never going to get to a point where we'd feel comfortable enough, uh, with having my mom look after Mickey by herself. And yet she keeps exceeding what we think she's going to do. And it's all it's all because she loves him. It's all because she wants to be a good grandmother. She wants Mickey to grow up knowing her and loving her. And she knows that part and parcel with that means taking care of herself to, to the best way that she can. And, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, knowing how to change his diaper, knowing how to feed him, knowing how to, you know, warm up the breast milk, knowing how to do all of those things. Um, That's something that I, I, I honestly don't remember the last time I've seen her take that kind of, you know, proactive step uh, towards engaging with us. It's always been sort of kind of having to coax her out of Rochelle. So that's been, you know, nothing short of miraculous to to see that change in her.
0: So this is, you know, I mean, we can talk about a lot of things. I wanted to ask you the worst thing your mother ever did. I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask you how your brother was. I had all these other questions that, you know, that I've been writing down as you've been talking. But I think the most important thing for people to get here is not... What the worst thing was that his mother did, or how bad she might have gotten, it's how good she can be around his son. That to me is like is is the hope. That's what you pray for. That's the message, you know. Right. That I I I think an issue, you know, and the fact that you were blessed with a sensitivity to be able to share this with the world, you know, to be able to share beyond the anger, you know, be able to share mm-hmm. your emotion, your, um, the truth, you
1: know? She, she used to be, uh, she used to be an English teacher, my mom, uh, an elementary school English teacher, uh, back in India before, you know, she moved to Canada with my dad, uh, that, that career track was something that, uh, you know, when she got sick, um, she could never, you know, really... You know, marshal the resources or the the attention to to do that again, but uh, she always had an enduring love of books uh, She would give me impromptu English lessons when I was a kid, and I don't think it's an accident that um, you know I write for a living. I think we're always kind of reaching out to the the people that we love uh, regardless of the past in one way or the other, and um, I feel in some ways maybe I can be a bit of a voice that she once could have been or or once could have had. Um, uh, you know, she might not always be able to speak the, the the you know the way that she would want to today, but I can speak, and um, you and, can speak I,
0: for her too. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think so.
0: You're sensitive enough to be able to listen to her, to her actions, to her nonverbal, cause, and to be able to be able to express that. I think yeah. that's really a, that's gifted.
1: Well, I, I really, I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, you're. I, I want you to tell everybody about your book. It's really good, and oh. it's well written, and it's really a great story. So share it, and where they can find your book. You know what else they'll sure. find. The, uh
1: The, uh the book is called The Isolation Door. Um, it's the story of uh, a 23-year-old uh, named Neil Kapoor, um, a man not unlike myself, um, and um, his journey really to. To find a life for himself um, beyond the shadow of his mother's schizophrenia. Um, during the course of the book, he um, attends theater school and um, he falls in love for the first time and develops some really meaningful friendships. And yet, at the same time, his mother has been uh, committed to a mental hospital, is going through a um, very disturbing uh, rehabilitation process. And um, he's trying simultaneously to be a good son to her, uh, to hold a family together. While at the same time trying to find a life for himself, trying to find uh, a sense of happiness that is almost like a ghost that he's never experienced, but he wants to so desperately experience that. And, um, you know, writing that book was sort of uh, helped me find the light at the end of the tunnel and helped me find a sense of hope. Hi. And uh, I, my hope is that this book, uh, *The Isolation Door*, which is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and pretty much all the other uh, you know major booksellers, uh, my hope is that others who read it, um, whether you have personal experience with this or not, um, hopefully you'll, it, it'll speak to you. That human journey will 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 speak to you and um, and resonate. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was beautiful. And I think uh, what I find so interesting in, in closing is how. We talked some about hiding and how and this chose early on to write this book as a fiction novel, but it so depicts his life that there isn 't but so much hiding you can do, and he 's not hiding anymore. I mean this man is out there, his mother is out there i mean he 's not doing this without his mother 's permission, without his family 's permission so it's it shows how you 've evolved as well, which I think is part of the story, you know? I, mean, I think that's true. You know, don't you think? Everybody I, out, I do. right? So uh, thank you for sharing your evolving with us.
1: Thank you. I mean, it's been uh, it's been such a pleasure uh, speaking with you. I, I feel like the time has gone by like nothing, and I think uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I feel like I could talk to you all day, so I, yeah. I truly appreciate it, my
0: Likewise, and I would love to... Follow your career, and I'd love you to come back again. I think that's all part of this evolving story.
1: Oh, um, thank you. I'd love that. Yeah,
0: uh, because, you know, we don't want to forget. We, well, we do want to forget some things, but we don't want to forget how, where these, uh, where life can go when absolutely. you give it a chance, you know?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and we want to, you know, not just talk about your, your mom, even though we, we send her, her our love, and if she is listening, I want to thank you for um, allowing this to be um, your whole family thank you for everybody that's listening out there that's part of Anisha's family thank you for allowing this to happen because you know we need we need this you know i mean we need people to be honest and every you know regular everyday people so in closing honey what would you like to add anish
1: um, uh, the only thing I'd like to say is, uh, and I think you really hit on it is, um, you know, to those people listening out there, you know, the, the, you know, let love be your guiding, uh, compass, you know, you know, take that turn away from the dark and, 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 and find your love, your happiness, because, uh, it's like you said, you never know what is, what is around the corner and you never know, um, the delights and, the the, that life can have in store if you... Take that first, you know, you, know, you know, faithful step out there and, and, and see what's out there for you.
0: Absolutely. And I think Chris wrote that this was a lo- this, this is a love story. And Suziani said, what a pleasure meeting this young man. And she said to uh, me, okay. Marilyn, one of your best and one of your most important shows.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: So thank you for doing this with me.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Likewise. And for everybody out there, uh, take this show to heart share it with people you know um, you know some of the questions that I got to ask him today they weren't planned people always ask me you know what are the questions you can ask and I always say I don't know I'm just gonna let them come and today's questions that came to me especially the ones towards the end were questions that just came that I felt really comfortable with and they came from above so I guess they were supposed to be asked And so I want to thank you once again for sharing with us today and everybody out there. Thank you for being here and supporting us with your energy because it's because of your being out there and knowing how important this is that uh, this is so. So break free today. tuned to the nissan communications network our weekly lineup of call-in programs includes computers 2k now with amnon nissan help in with debbie brooke breaking free with Marilyn channon lessons of vietnam with ncvvi members the tanya love show and if you tuned in too late you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an mp3 audio file of it at www.nissancommunications.com. Sponsored by Atomos.com, makers of quality video recorders and converters for professionals. That vidblasterguy.com, carolinaapparel.com, and deltaforce.net.